The following presentation is brought to you by The Realm Network, The Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Hey folks, Bob here with this week's Bubble Genius Showcase Item of the Week. Take out your frustrations with the cartoon supervillain occupying the White House. That's right, it's Bubble Genius's own GOP voodoo doll. It's not made of soap, it's an actual voodoo doll that you can abuse and destroy until your stress about the Twitter toddler is washed away and without getting wet. Only $25 at BubbleGenius.com, but if you use our promo code BOBC at checkout, you'll get 15% off your entire order only at BubbleGenius.com. And now let the cartoons begin. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters, relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Status report. Known super criminals not currently imprisoned. The Penguin. That pompous, waddling master of foul play, maestro of a million criminal umbrellas. The Joker. Devilish clown prince of crime. Oh, if I only had a nickel for every time he's baffled us. What, the Riddler loose, too? So it seems. Loose to plague us with his criminal conundrums. Gosh, and the Catwoman. End of status report. Could be any one of them, but which ones? Pretty fishy what happened to me on that ladder. You mean, but there's a fish that could be a penguin. But wait, it happened at sea. Sea? Sea for Catwoman. Yet an exploding shark was pulling my leg. The Joker. All adds up to a sinister riddle. Riddle-er. Riddler? Oh, thought strikes me. So dreadful, I scarcely dare give it utterance. The four of them. Their forces combine. Holy nightmare. Batman, could it be? I don't know. But I think I know where to find a clue. Come on, Robin. To the Batcave. We haven't one moment to lose. Bob Seska. Today's Rachel Maddow Show Award for Headline Excellence goes to Bob Seska. The Bob Seska Show. Hello, Bob. Hello. Hello, Bob. Hey, there's some uh, there's some crap going on today, so let's dive in. Hi, Kimberly here. Kimberly's here. <laughs> there she is. It's Kimberly Beauregard Johnson here uh, sitting in today. Uh, it is uh, Tuesday, June 13, 2017, and this is the Bob Seska Show presented by BubbleGenius.com. I am Bob, and we're brought to you by the best soap in the world. It's Bubble Genius, also brought to you by the Bowen Law Group and attorney Charles J. Bowen. Get free legal advice, especially if you're subpoenaed by Congress, at thebowenlawgroup.com slash Bob and Chez, or just click the link of the podcast page. Okay, so I guess we, Kimberly, we need to bring in this music. <laughs> Because uh, right as we're doing this show right now, Jeff Sessions is uh, lying, lying his way through uh, congressional. I don't testimony. recall. I don't recall what happened. But did Except you? Except nothing bad happened. We didn't do anything negative wrong. <laughs> I don't recall what happened. Except I know for sure we didn't talk about collusion. God, that's what's Trump insane about it. Big hands. He, he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't recall what happened in those meetings. 
or he doesn't recall if he had meetings or if he may have talked to someone or may not have talked to someone. But he knows, they, he, he knows they definitely weren't about uh, collusion right. or anything like and that. He, they weren't about Russia or Trump or anything like that. He, he certainly is uh, testy. <laughs> he is. Little Jeff Sessions. Testy little, little elf. He's a testy elf. He's the angry elf. Hermy! He's the... <laughs> Uh, but nevertheless, so Jeff Sessions is testifying in Congress right now. It's happening right now. Uh, he said at the outset of his testimony, he said the, uh, the suggestion that I participated in collusion is an appalling and detestable lie. And he should have ended that by saying, isn't that right, Mr. Trump? Because yeah. I mean, everything he's saying is just a big performance for Donald Trump. That's exactly what he's doing. That's what he's saying. This is all for the benefit of Donald Trump. And what I can't figure out, Kimberly, is the fact that all these guys are putting their political careers yeah. on the line for this Twitter toddler. Yeah, but I think that, um, it, you know, it, you have to consider that some of these people are dealing with blackmail. So it's, yeah. it's, it's not just about their career being on the line. They're also fearing, you know, God only knows what kind of uh, compromise is on them. Yeah, well, I mean, that's entirely and, and possible. And it's not even it... compromise. I mean, just even if the Russians don't have anything, other Republicans could be, you know, God only knows. Conspiracy theories abound. And it's entirely possible, especially given the, uh, the article that we uh, read this week from Politico, showing that 2,300, we're going to get to this a little bit later, 2,300 Amer high-ranking American officials in the media and politics have been compromised mm -hmm. by Russian intelligence. Yeah. That's a, that's a fact. So when we uh, see things that happen, whether it's in the press or it's among people like Jeff Sessions and Andy McCabe and Dan Coates and Mike Rogers and Rod Rosenstein, when we see Jeff Sessions and all of those other four guys from last week saying that they just don't they don't feel like answering questions. Because just as we started the show, they were asking Jeff Sessions, so if executive privilege hasn't been invoked here, why won't you answer your questions about your conversations with Donald Trump? And he just, well, I, I, I don't feel like, I don't feel, he's <laughs> like, I don't know, I don't feel like doing it. I don't feel like answering. I don't want to answer your questions. You can't go to a congressional committee and say, I don't want to answer your yeah. questions. Well, I don't know. Evidently, you can. Yeah, I guess you can, because no one's going to charge him with contempt, I suppose. This is all contempt of Congress. Mm -hmm. Last week, it was all contempt of Congress with, uh, as I said, uh, uh, Mike Rogers, Dan Coates, Rod Rosenstein, and, and Annie McCabe. Isn't it amazing how I'm able to like instantly recall all yeah, of these names? Yeah, it is, because I couldn't do it. I know more about the Trump administration in terms of names and roles than I did about the Obama administration. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. I mean, I just rattled off four heads of the intelligence community under Donald Trump. That's pretty, imp <laughs> that's pretty impressive. I can't remember names. I have a hard time with names. I'm even recalling some of the Russian names yeah. in my head. Uh, but nevertheless, so they're all in contempt of Congress. You can't just go before Congress and say, I'm not going to answer your question. You have to either invoke the Fifth Amendment or you have to uh, be under the umbrella of ex ex executive privilege or something like that. There's no legal basis, and they're grilling him right now, and especially uh, uh, Senator Heinrich from New Mexico was letting Sessions have it. Yes, and, he was great. Yeah, rightfully so, letting him have it. What's the legal basis? It's the same conversation that was being had last Wednesday. What's the legal basis of you refusing to answer this basic question? What was your conversation with Donald Trump about? 
And they don't want to say mm-hmm. because they're covering this up. Mm-hmm. They are lying. Uh, Session says he didn't discuss the election or collusion with Russians, but didn't deny the meetings took place. Um, let's see. Uh, Buzz Burbank, who's a regular on the show, tweeted Sessions adheres to claim in, in letter to Trump that Comey was fired over Clinton email investigation, even though even though Donald Trump emerged the next day after Comey was fired and after all those letters hit the press, the one from Sessions and then the one from Rosenstein. The next day, Trump said that the reason Comey was fired because of, was because of Trump Russia. To stop the Trump Russia. I mean, he on television, in yeah. front of Lester Holt, he admitted to obstructing justice. And and Jeff Sessions is still there going, oh, well, this was uh, entirely about the email scandal with Hillary Clinton. Yeah, and then when he first came out, he started babbling. I mean, he was just like babbling about drug issues and bad people and he was a good senator and it's like oh my god he's, he, just, he's just like textbook time waster yeah yeah and you know what i didn't even mention something about the lord didn't he invoke yeah the yeah lord? i mean he, he basically i can't remember exactly how he said it but he, he was he was trying to promise everybody that you know the lord was going to help him answer the questions honestly the lord was going to help him answer and the he questions. did use the term honestly, the lord the lord <laughs> Uh, yeah, see, he would have gone full evangelical if he had said the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they all say. Yeah. <laughs> that guy that guy who appears on Fox News Channel all the time, Robert Jeffress, <laughs> always says the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Every time it's just not it's never the Lord. It's always the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all one <laughs> one piece. So Sessions is invoking the Lord. So I guess he could have said to, to uh, Senator Heinrich, he's like, well, no, I'm not going to answer because of the Lord. Yeah, the, the Lord told me not to. Are you here now to tell me <laughs> that that I'm not allowed to obey the Lord Jesus Christ? <laughs> the Lord Jesus Christ said I don't have to answer your damn question. You also notice how Jeff Sessions, when he's whenever he's sworn in, whenever he has to do testimony, he puts that one right arm up, but it's like it's like as high up. It's like he's raising it all the way up. It's like he's to trying to Lord. touch the seal because he wants his hand to be closer he to the Lord. He wants to touch the Lord <laughs> with his hand. Jeff Sessions standing uh, just about to lie through his teeth and perjure himself is invoking the Lord. The Lord would not be happy with you perjuring yourself. The Lord wants to bitch slap Sessions. Yeah, Jesus. For lying. For being a lying sack of Keebler elf. Here was a revealing tweet. (laughs) This was, uh, I'm just going to read the tweet and then I'll tell you who said it. Okay. So Comey said something under oath and now under oath Sessions says that that was a lie, what Comey said. So at this point, someone has committed perjury. So it's either Comey's perjured himself or Sessions has perjured himself. That's from Ben Howe who's from Red State. Interesting. That's conservative you Ben know, I gotta, from I Red gotta State. I got to give it to Red State these days. Not that I love them or anything, because I've been blocked by uh, Eric Erickson on Twitter. Yeah. But um, at least they are taking the sane approach to this. <laughs> Eric Erickson and his cruel, cruel parents. <laughs> I know. I, I remember you referred to him as the human thumb. He is the human thumb. It's like Alex Jones and Eric Erickson are, are competing to see yeah. who can be the most thumb-like. <laughs> Um, I don't when someone says I don't recall or I can't recall this is old political trickery when someone says I can't recall that means they are guilty I am lying yeah yeah I am lying I can't recall but I can remember everything I didn't do yeah and I can guarantee (laughs) you that there was no uh, improper anything and he's full of you know I understand that um, 
things have to go at the pace they're going to go. The, the investigation is going to take however long it takes. But oh my God, come on. Yeah. When are we going to be able... Because, you know, I'm also sick and tired of people on social media going, where's the proof? It's like... <sighs> were you born yesterday? If you're yeah. asking that question, you don't even deserve to have a fucking computer. Right. We're gonna get to. Uh, we're gonna actually get to uh, a great example of that. Of the where's the proof and what can happen as a result of that kind of ridiculous reasoning at this stage in the game. And it has to do with. Yeah, it has to do with Glenn Greenwald. <laughs> I hate to say it, has to, has to do with Glenn Greenwald and the intercept and reality winner. And that NSA leak from last week, which now seems like twelve months ago. I mean, this, are, are you experiencing this, Kimberly? I mean, we're we're. It's just. It seems like this has been going well, on. Yes, for I years. am. It's funny because I've just been thinking about this, and and part of me feels like the weeks are racing by yeah. because it's like I wake up Monday morning, and then all of a sudden it's Saturday. <laughs> And but but yeah. so much has happened between uh, Monday and Saturday that it feels like that news is from years ago. Right. But I but I honestly do feel like time is just like racing by. Yeah, I was looking at the uh, in preparation for uh, today's show. I was looking at the Christopher Ruddy story from yesterday, <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, this is like, like old a news. last year's story." Yeah, remember way back when when Christopher Ruddy said twenty three hours ago <laughs> Donald Trump is considering firing. Uh, Robert Mueller, <laughs> Jesus Christ, that wasn't even, it wasn't even 24 hours ago. This was actually less than 24 yeah, hours that's ago. that's true. And it feels like old news. That's, that's yeah, where we are. because the news with- cycles are so jammed packed with so much stuff. And, yeah. you know, I, I don't, I, I posted this guy uh, before we go further and obviously we're going to go further, but um, some, you know, congressperson said you should pay 10% attention to Sessions' testimony and 90%. Oh yeah, Chris Murphy said yeah, that, yeah. To uh, what they're doing with healthcare. So, I mean, obviously we're going to be talking about Sessions and everything, but people need to be calling their um, elected officials and demanding that they yeah, you know, st- not f*** up healthcare. Exactly. And you know what? I, I, I'm so tired of hearing about hey stop being distracted by blah, blah, blah. yeah you know look i i think it's possible considering that there are millions and millions of and millions of people on the democratic liberal left side of the ledger that we can handle dealing with trump russia and health care and all of it you know, if the Democrats, if someone like Chris Murphy wants us to pay more attention to the health care legislation, then give us something to pay attention to. Do something. Be a leader. Don't tell us to take the lead and pay attention to something because you're in, you're in the goddamn Congress and you have the actual legislative power to do something about this legislation. Don't tell us what we should be paying attention to. Well, I, you know, I will say that, oh God, no, again, names are escaping me, but there was a tweet going around that I posted about um, the fact that calls have slowed down to their normal few dozen a day yeah. and that that needs, we, we need to get back on the ball because as much as democratic or, you know, even Republican leaders uh, need to take the initiative in so many instances, it's also the people we have to stay on them because it's part of the resistance. And, you know, the, Maybe maybe some people are feeling resistance fatigue. Maybe they're feeling a little bit like, all right, we've already we've already accomplished our goal. No, we haven't, and it's not over. Resistance isn't going to be over ever. Um, 
you know, if, if the Democrats are so fortunate that we can win back the House and eventually get, you know, get it to where, you know, we control all areas of government. Um, OK, maybe it's not going to be called resistance anymore, but people still need to stay awake. They need to That's put true, pressure yeah, on their Congress people and they need to make sure that congressional representatives and local and state representatives know what they want. Yep. yep. You know, we always have to do that because we have lost we, I don't know if we've lost it. I don't know. You know, obviously there have been times in history where people have put that pressure on, but then we get comfortable and we stop. And then, you yep. know, so many people aren't even paying attention. And, and I'm getting really tired of Democrats. I mean, Democratic leaders like slow pedaling or like soft pedaling the, uh, the Trump Russia story. Remember uh, it was uh, last week or the week before that, and it was one of many, many stories that blitz on by th- through a, a day-long news cycle. But I think Rachel had on uh, uh, Jim Himes, Congressman yeah. Himes. Yeah. And Himes was like, like, well, you know, maybe, maybe this mm-hmm. is improper. We don't know whether it's improper. We don't know whether this was a violation of the law. It might not be a violation. Yeah, shut up. Yeah. Seriously, you know? Shut the <laughs> hell up. Exactly. Uh, you know, anyone who tells you on Twitter or on Facebook or anywhere else on cable news that we need to slow down and take it easy on Trump Russia or that Trump Russia is a, is a, a distraction. Well, from something you know what? Else. I mean, you just said it yourself. All, a certain amount of uh, 20, was it 2300 um, officials and media yeah. people were. Um, compromised. Mm-hmm. So you never know. I mean, it's really hard to tell who is and who isn't. Right. Um, but it but it certainly makes me feel like, is it just Democrats being weak or was somebody compromised or what? What the fuck? Well, you know, I, I mean, I get I get being the adult in the room. I yeah. completely understand that. But you can be the adult in the room while treating this the way it ought to be treated, which was the most significant foreign breach of American democracy in the history of the republic. Yeah, I don't that, mind it's using urgent. that. Yeah, and I'm not exaggerating when I say that. So if anyone says, you know, maybe we need to just take it easy on this a little bit. Don't, stop it. Yeah, let, don't let your imagination run wild here. Just slow down all your conspiracy tinfoil hat crap. You know what? Don't trust anyone who says that to you no do not trust them and if anybody needs to understand how to um frame this conversation just watch rachel maddow yeah because she is certainly not running around with a tinfoil hat she asks questions Mm -hmm. when when there are discrepancies when there are unusual activities she just says why is this how is this happening what could it be and then you know whether or not she's making suggestions the viewer the person watching is the one who gets to answer those questions or at least search for the answer yeah, I mean, so uh, she's putting all the puzzle pieces out there and assembling them into some sort of significant order, but she's not drawing any conclusions. No. Uh, and when she does, she merely says, all right, well, this is just, I'm just throwing this out yeah. there. You well, know, this is what it appears. Yeah. But everyone likes to, everyone who's denying Trump Russia likes yeah. to say, well, that's just like Alex Jones. No, no it's not. No, it's not like Alex Jones. And I don't the slightest. Because Alex Jones is married to every single one of his conspiracy theories. He knows for certain that whatever it is he says, like Obama used tiny airplanes and helicopters to move a super tornado toward a town in order to distract from Benghazi, that is a conspiracy theory. And then Megyn Kelly goes and gets and interviews him. Yeah, Megyn Kelly goes in. In fact, you know what? 
I have a I have a clip. I have a clip from that interview. I'm going to play. Here's a little bit of a clip from the uh, Alex Jones interview with Megyn Kelly. They call you the most paranoid man in America. Is that true? I'm not paranoid. You're paranoid. I'm a talking thumb. I'm deep vein thrombosis with a mouth. Let me ask you this, Megan. Have you ever sat for hours taking apart your VCR and putting it back together again? I have. That's not paranoid. That's called addiction to crystal meth. We talked controversies and conspiracies. 9-11. 9-11 is the size range for my penis in millimeters. Nine flaccid, 11 hard. When I can get hard. I can't get hard anymore without the help of super vitality mail and a bungee cord. But why don't you ask me about something important other than my tiny withered penis? When you say parents faked their children's death, people get very angry. You know what's angry right now? The shadow people are angry right now. The shadow people are angry about this interview. They're telling me in my head, Jesus, Alex, those remote controls and small devices aren't going to disassemble and reassemble themselves. So, uh, interview over. It's time for Alex to consume a gigantic bowl of chili in my doomsday bunker, then pass out in a puddle of my own filth. That was Alex Jones' interview with uh, Megan Keller. <laughs> He's uh, more bizarre than usual, I think. A <laughs> little, little bit too much information from Alex, I think. As <laughs> <Anyway>. usual. <laughs> right. So, uh, let's dive into this Bloomberg piece, because this was massive. This was the first thing I woke up to. This is one of those things where... You know, it's like we're all talking about it. I see this all over Twitter. We've talked about it. Kimberly and I have talked about it over and over again. Waking up in the morning, there is a sense of excitement like, oh, did Trump resign yet? And there's a sense of dread. What horrible thing happened while we were because we're on West Coast time. So we're about three hours behind Donald Trump's morning activities. So when we get up. In California. Shit's already gone down. Right. Everything's hit the fan already. And then it's just a matter of just scrambling to gather it all up. And this was a major story that dropped today uh, from Bloomberg. Bloomberg stepping up to the plate with a huge bombshell. These uh, The Russian cyber attacks, it turns out. This is huge. The Russian cyber attacks on the electoral system itself are far wider than previously known. Mm-hmm. That is major. Remember... Uh, Last week, you know, yes. in fact, I, I've been I've been saying this since November 9th, for God's sake. I am still doubtful that the Russians didn't uh, interfere with any actual databases yeah. of either uh, uh, vote tallies or anything like that or voter registration. Yeah, me too. I've been saying that since November 9th. And slowly we've been hearing, oh, no, 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 no. They didn't change the results of the election. Nothing. No votes were changed. That's what they keep saying. And then last week, we get this NSA document, this NSA document saying that the uh, Russian intelligence got into at least one voter registration database. And there was all it was they were using this whole process. And of course, the NSA leak, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second in, in terms of the uh, the actual leaker and what goaded her into leaking. Uh, or I should say, who goaded her into leaking. So then we, we have that story, and then that's followed up by uh, Senator Mark Warner coming out and saying, hey, you know that NSA story? There's a lot more to that story. There's a lot more going on there. And so here we are on Tuesday of the following week. Bloomberg releases this bombshell article. Here's a couple of pieces that I considered to be kind of the meat of the article. The hackers, these are Russian hackers working for Russian intelligence, had gained access to uh, uh, the state of Illinois' voter database, which contained information such as names, dates of birth, genders, 
driver's licenses, and partial social security numbers on 15 million people, Mm -hmm. half of whom are active voters. As many as 90,000 records were ultimately compromised by Russian intelligence. 90,000 records. Uh, In Illinois, investigators also found evidence that the hackers tried but failed to alter or delete some information in the database, but an attempt that wasn't previously an attempt that wasn't previously reported that suggested more than a mere spying mission and potentially a test run for a disruptive attack, according to the people familiar with the continuing U.S. counterintelligence inquiry. Okay, so while this article says that they weren't able to successfully change anything. That's what we know now in terms of actually altering data in these various databases. But they compromised the records. Um, and who knows what's going to happen tomorrow or next week? What are we going to find out? Are we going to find is the next report to drop going to be, oh, yeah, you know what? They did change things. Oh, yeah, you know what? They did right. get into some tabulation machines uh, on election day. Oh, and by the way, they did. Uh, strike a bunch of people from voter rolls or they did interfere with uh, voter registration during the primaries which is something that uh, I talked about extensively last week in fact on both free shows and it had to do with the conversation that you and I had Kimberly about it was a little more than a year ago it was during the primaries and you came in to my office and you said I've been hearing about online all these people whose voter registrations were screwed around with, who, who went to vote in the, uh, in the Democratic primary, uh, in most cases for Bernie Sanders, and who couldn't because their voter registration was wrong. Mm-hmm. Does this, do, do these two things correlate? I think it absolutely I don't know. could. And the thing is, is that, um, you know, if, whether you were an independent uh, who switched over to vote for Bernie, which was clearly a lot of those people were targeted according to because at the time I was uh, supporting Bernie Sanders and I was in a lot of these groups. And I've said it before and I'm going to say it again. The groups all um, pretty much focused on the positives of Bernie and not the negatives of Hillary yeah. until this disinformation campaign started. And then and then they became pits of hell that mm-hmm. I couldn't even f-ing take them anymore. They right. were awful. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, a lot of I people, don't blame you. Yeah, a lot of, you know, but while they were, uh, you know, organic or at least initial uh, groups that were supporting him, it was not a a Hillary hate fest. And, and, And when people would come in and say negative things about her... Everybody would glom on and say, hey, we're not here to bash Hillary. That's not to say that I don't think we have a problem with the bros, because I do. Mm -hmm. But I do think that a lot of people were like me in support of Bernie, where we didn't hate Hillary. We just liked his platform more. That's all it really all it was. But anyway, so I saw a lot of people um, making this complaint. And and the sad thing is, Mm -hmm. is they blamed the DNC. So I'm sure the Russians understood that taking an independent, uh, you know, registered voter who switched over to Democrat, they knew why they were doing that. It was to vote for Bernie. And if they're if they were switched back to independent or Republican, well, who who looks guilty? The DNC. Yeah, the DNC, the you know, the system, it's overall the I mean, remember the the, the big thing with Bernie Sanders last year was the system is flawed. The yeah. entire we need to change the system, and so that what that does combined with p- 
possibly Russian shenanigans when it comes to voter registration is you get a lot of people, a lot of brand new voters who are supporting Bernie Sanders, who may have registered two years ago as an independent. Now they want to vote for Bernie Sanders. They register, they go to try to register as a Democrat in their state. And suddenly their voter registration is wrong. Mm-hmm. How, what does that confirm? That confirms the system is messed up. Mm-hmm. The system is stacked yeah, against exactly. this. The system is stacked against independent voters. It's just a two party system and both the parties are evil and blah, blah, blah. you know, all the yeah. usual gripes. But uh, so and that's how Russia foments discord yeah. inside the American democratic system. That's one of the many ways. I mean, we already know that they weaponized disinformation and targeted Bernie Sanders supporters on Facebook and elsewhere in order to make them discontented with Hillary Clinton, to make them discontented or more discontented than they already were with Hillary Clinton and more discontented with the Democratic Party and the system in general. And so what do they do? What's the? I mean, when you keep beating your face up against a wall and you can't make any progress, you can't even correctly register to vote, for God's sake, that they give up. And yeah. that's the whole point. We give up and we walk away. Either that or, or we or, refuse or to vote for Hillary. what they're doing is they're creating this, um, and unfortunately, I believe the Russians have been very successful because they're creating this huge block of voters who, A, don't trust or are never going to vote for the Democrat. Yeah. It's like this whole Dem exit uh, strategy, which will divide the Democrats, keep the Republicans in power, and give Russians the upper hand because Russians have more in common with, Russian, uh, with Republicans than Democrats. Mm-hmm. One last thing before we talk about Blue Apron. I, I just want to mention this, and then we'll talk about it at length after we talk about Blue Apron. Votes were changed. Mm-hmm. Votes were changed. And I'll tell you exactly how and why right after uh, I get to talk about eating. I love eating. I eat so much every day. <laughs> you he know does, I do. He does. I, I do. I eat way too much for my own good. But nevertheless... When it comes to dinner time, I'm always like, ah, oh. because I've been eating all day. I want something new, fresh, something with some variety. And, uh, you know, I'm just not creative enough. I'm not good enough in the kitchen to be able to come up with something <laughs> interesting and nutritious uh, with all natural ingredients. So when I sit down for dinner, I want food that's healthy and fresh. But who can afford to eat at a restaurant every night or, or shop at those high priced stores to get fresh natural ingredients? I've shopped there and wound up wasting so much good food and so much good money. That's why I like BlueApron.com, America's number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service. Blue Apron sends exactly what I need in exactly the right amounts and an easy recipe just to my door. Blue Apron has partnered with over 150 local farms, fisheries, and ranches across the U.S. Their seafood is sustainably sourced. The beef, chicken, and pork are raised responsibly, and the produce comes from regenerative farms. Try, here's where you can try the menu. This is, God, these... These dishes are amazing. I've tried every single one of these, and you have to. Tr- you have to. You have to do it. You really do. Hmm. The beef teriyaki stir fry with sugar snap peas and lime rice. The baked spinach and egg flatbread with sautéed asparagus and lemon. A three cheese and baby broccoli stromboli with tomato and oregano dipping sauce, or Sarah Palin says dipping sauce. Or try the crispy salmon and roasted potato salad with pickled mustard seed and creme fraiche sauce. Just try to get any of those meals at any restaurant or a special grocer for under 10 bucks a person. Blue Apron has something for everyone because you can customize your preferences. Uh, there's no weekly commitment. Stop and start as you please. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free. They'll even pay the shipping because you listen to this show. Go to blueapron.com B-O-B-C. 
blueapron.com slash B-O-B-C. It feel good, feels good to make incredible, affordable meals at home when the food and recipes come from Blue Apron. That's blueapron.com slash B-O-B-C. Blue Apron, it's a better way to cook. The Bob Seska Show. The Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Yep, thank you, Buzz. Welcome back to the show today. Thank you for joining us, and thank you for supporting the show at Patreon.com slash Bob and Chez. Sign up right now for the $1 level. You can do it. I think. It's- Come on, you can do it. You can do it. It's $1 a month, for God's sake. And you'll be supporting independent... $12 a year. You can afford that. You'll be supporting independent media. You'll be supporting me. You'll be supporting Kimberly Beauregard Johnson behind me. <laughs> hey, I just want to uh, say, and I, I, I we missed I, I missed it because I did watch some of the sessions, what? but I guess I'm going to say her name right now. Kamala Harris just uh, questioned him, and I'm looking forward to oh, hearing Oh, Kamala Harris, really? Yeah. Oh, I, I can see on Facebook, people were like, go sure, Kamala. Sure, that's great. Future presidential candidate yeah. Kamala Harris. Uh, well, good for her. I can't wait to hear those clips. Um, Gallup poll, brand new Gallup poll. <laughs> Donald Trump is at 60% approval. So much winning. Yeah, you know, um, Brian Klass, I don't know, is C-L-A-A-S. I don't yeah, know who he is. Brian Klass, yeah. Um, days to hit a 60% disapproval rating. Carter, never. Reagan, never. H.W. Bush, never. Clinton, never. W. Bush, uh, 1,756. Obama, never. Trump, 144. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. Well, that's great. <laughs> yes, indeed. By the way, this just came down to uh, Roger Simon just uh, tweeted. That's Politico's Roger Simon. Uh-huh. Uh, Senator King said, uh, Angus King, quote, do you think Russians interfered with the 2016 election? Sessions, quote, appears so. Huh. Angus King, but you never asked about it? Sessions, no. <sighs> what? Oh, my the God. The F, holy God. Yeah, and God. they're f***ing, pa- oh, excuse me, I can't because they are patriots, aren't they? Well, you might as well. <laughs> You've know? said it like four times already. I'm Sorry, I just remembered. I'm going to be half the afternoon bleeping. Poor Bob, now. he's going to have to spend the whole day bleeping me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Yep. Okay, so uh, votes were changed. Here's how votes were changed. You may not see the uh, votes changed in voter databases. You may not see a story, although you may. But you may not see a story where the Russians uh, got into the, the databases where the, the vote tallies were held or interrupted the, uh, the information stream between, say, the polling place and the actual uh, tabulation machines and so forth or whatever. They, they find out that the Russians didn't interfere on the day, on November 8th. But... Votes were changed, and I'll tell you how votes were changed. The entire Russian op, the entire 2016 election hacking, the attack on the United States was in and of itself a way to change votes. It was all about telling people to not vote for Hillary Clinton and then in, and instead to vote for Donald Trump. 
This started during the primaries to, to, to keep uh, Bernie Sanders supporters from eventually moving on to support Hillary Clinton if she won the nomination. This is about getting uh, uh, Hillary Clinton supporters or, or even still, even Bernie Sanders supporters after Hillary Clinton won the nomination to maybe vote for third party, vote for Jill Stein or something like that to reduce the number of Hillary, Hillary Clinton voters as much as possible. So what that required was the changing of minds, which in and of itself is the changing well, of yeah, votes. Yeah, and that's I think that's actually scarier than just vote changes because yeah. when you change minds, this is a brainwashing. This is a long-term thing that isn't going to just be around for one election cycle. This is uh, a narrative that's uh, been planted in people's heads. Yep. I mean, obviously, it's not going to, again, necessarily be about... Hillary versus Trump, and God please no. But, um, you know, but still, it's the idea that uh, everything that she represents, if anybody comes along that has similar views to Hillary Clinton, it's going to be carried over. The way, the reason why the Russia hacking and the Russia uh, disinformation campaigns and so on, all of it, the, all of the things that they did, all the weapons they used to to change this election, the, the reason it was so effective is because... The political debate now in the United States is so emotional and so personal. It's really emotional. emotional. Exactly right. It's it's about it's about everyone developing their own political brand online. We've talked about this in terms of general social media branding, where everyone now has their own little show and their own little brand, and they have to do their own little things, whether it's old style beer or frisbee golf. <laughs> That's an inside joke. Uh, but nevertheless, the people have their things and, and they're emotionally attached to their things. And when you start to change their minds politically based on this concerted disinformation effort where things are injected into the debate that shouldn't be there, whether it's fake news or whatever, you're also then changing their values. Mm-hmm. You're changing how they look. Exactly. At, you're changing their worldview and, and how they approach different things from that point forward. You're creating a level of distrust in institutions and in the system the way it's set up now. And while there are flaws in the system, we are gratefully seeing a system that is rising to the occasion now to stop a cartoon dictator from ruining the world. Yeah, but there, but it, I'm still so frightened. I mean, I'm kind of going off a little bit of what you're saying. Um, and, and, and you're absolutely right that our system is proving to work. But then again, what has me worried, and I mean, I keep trying to be some kind of, you know, people are... Well, are, don't get are, me wrong. I mean, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm preemptively agreeing with you, but go on. <laughs> well, I mean, I just, what freaks me out more than anything is that, you know, okay, like they could, whether it's a smoking gun, mm-hmm. ob, ob, objection, uh, objection, obstruction of justice, all the, if the Republicans don't do anything, yeah. then what are we... What? Yeah, I mean, I does, it, does I, it mean like, do, do they just stay happy with that base number and do they only cater to that base? You know, I mean, you see, you see everybody online arguing about this back and forth and there's all the naysayers going, nothing's ever going to get done. Nothing's ever going to happen. And I, and you know, I kind of argue and I say, well, first of all, there's an FBI investigation that's happening. There's a Senate hearings going on. Uh, you know, there are people in this country who are very concerned, but you know, when, when you're not sure how many of the Republicans and even Democrats yeah. have been compromised and you're not sure of what's going to happen, even if they're able to prove guilt, um, then how do you, 
how do you feel like anything is going to ever really, how, how is the system working? I'll answer your question in a minute, but I have breaking news. Breaking okay. news right now. John McCain is asking questions of Jeff Sessions right now. We have a little bit of that audio. Oh, here's no. here's John McCain talking to uh, Jeff Sessions in the uh, Senate Intelligence Committee. Fun trick is to tell them stories that don't go anywhere. Wait. Like the time I caught the ferry over to Shelbyville. Yeah. I needed a new heel for my shoe. So I decided to go to Morganville. Which is what they call Shelbyville in those days. John McCain. So I tied an onion to my belt, which was the style at the time. Now, to take the ferry cost a nickel. And in those days... All right, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to John McCain's testimony here in, in just a few seconds. I'm sure he'll uh, get to something uh, substantive here any second now. Uh, but nevertheless, I mean, yeah, I mean, the problem is here with all of this is that Ultimately, Trump could get away with this. Yeah. As long as Congress Congress is still controlled by the Republican Party, he can absolutely still get away with this. He can fire Robert Mueller, mm-hmm. which is what we heard about from Christopher Reddy yesterday. Mm-hmm. He can fire Robert Mueller. He can fire Rob Rosenstein if he wants to. Yeah. He could, uh, you know, he could surround the White House. I keep saying, with throwing out there this this sort of end game scenario for Trump. He could surround the White House with the military and refuse to leave office and c- claim that he is still president, even if Congress has impeached him and removed him. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all kinds of things that can happen. But ultimately, in the near term, let's say that uh, uh, Trump goes forward and fires uh, Robert Mueller or fires Rod Rosenstein. Or ask Rod Rosenstein to fire Mueller, and Rod Rosenstein fires Mueller. That can all happen, and then the since uh, all the investigatory committees are controlled by uh, the Republicans, uh, they could just say, "Well, we haven't really found anything. We haven't been able to come up with any evidence for this. So, bye bye. All done. Yeah. All done. Pull the plug. Pull the plug." And, and, and yeah, but I, just but uh, Rosenstein could put somebody from Mueller's team. That, but that's true. I mean, they could obviously appoint a new special counsel, mm-hmm. but then Trump will just re- fire that one. Yeah. I mean, what we're re- what we're really doing, I think, is tending to underestimate Trump's uh, Trump's ability to be able to stonewall and yeah. and foul up this entire investigation just at every step of the way, and he's going to. I mean, he's not going to let this go. He's not going to. No, he I mean, can't. He's going to do everything in his power, and maybe it'll it'll happen despite his efforts. But he's not going to allow this to happen. He's just no. not going to sit by. I mean, if 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 it comes out that Robert Mueller is, has got some sort of hard evidence that really seriously implicates Donald Trump or any significant news that comes out of the Mueller investigation that rubs Donald Trump the wrong way, he's going to act accordingly. Mm-hmm. He has no regard for the Constitution, no regard for the rule of law or presidential tradition. I mean, th- this entire team doesn't. I mean, look at that show that they put on yesterday. In the cabinet meeting. Oh, my in, God. In the Roosevelt room. That was just disgusting. That was just, ugh. All right, let's go around the room, and we can take turns cupping my balls in your hands. Yeah, really. I mean, Jesus Christ. One thing after another. What did, uh, what did Mike Pence say? Mike Pence said this was the, the greatest honor of his life to serve Donald Trump. Reince Priebus, who's fighting for his job, if we're to believe the, uh, the news coming out of the White House, Thank you for the blessing you've given us. Yeah, well, his job, he, he's been ordered to clean up the mess in the White House or he will be fired on July 4th. Yeah. <laughs> Stephen Colbert said last night, this is an unprecedented public stroke fest for an emotionally frail go. man. There you go. <laughs> I'd love that. Yeah. But this is what's so fascinating about that cabinet meeting yesterday is that at some point, 
Trump is going down. Yeah. Well, Trump Trump is going to crash so. and burn. At the very least, if none of this comes to fruition, and it absolutely will, at the very least, the obstruction of justice thing is going to uh, 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 come to some sort of uh, conclu- positive conclusion in terms of getting Trump. Uh, but if, if nothing happens, Trump is still a, a deeply unpopular and deeply yeah. divisive and incompetent president. I mean, even the Republicans are going around underscoring his incompetence by saying, oh, he didn't know. Yeah. What do you expect him to know how to be president when he's president? <laughs> it, yeah. We're, good, good plan. Good plan. Paul Ryan. Let's underscore the guy's rank and competence. Let's make that part of his excuse. Yeah. Oh, he's just too stupid to be president. Well, you <laughs> that's know, the I, Republican I keep, excuse. I keep thinking about Trump. Let's just say best case scenario, whether it's, you know, he lasts until 2020 or if he is he resigns or whatever. He's he's going to have to. I mean, I know he's going to have uh, the protection from Secret Service forever. Yeah. But I he's going to be hated worldwide. Yeah. But and the, the point is that even without Trump Russia, he is going to be hated. Yeah. And I tell you what, all of these guys are now on record. Yeah. They're on video. Choking him. Absolutely on their knees, just chowing down <laughs> on whatever they can find in his pants. <laughs> Whatever's lurking under there. Just a wad of hair. I'll be looking and forward to uh, the president show this week. Just enraged pink flesh just flopping around, and they're just... <laughs> Mike Pence. Like, probably pit, like pink gray. Mike Pence is just rubbing it all in his face. Just, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, and that's what With they're doing. visions of the Oval Office dancing in his head. That's right. And, and it's, just, it's just amazing to me that they would go on record uh, embracing well, again, a, a deeply compromise. unpopular person. Compromise. Yeah, compromise. I mean, that's the only, I, mean I, I know I sound like a freaking broken record, but it just makes me wonder. You know, it really, truly makes me wonder who yeah. is compromised and... I don't know. I mean, it looks like a lot of people are compromised. I'm just realizing I painted a pretty gross picture. Of you did. You're going to hear it. Trump's people, bathing suit area. People are going to get you on Twitter. <laughs> I know. Oh, well. Uh, so then we have, on top of everything else, there's this bombshell Politico article that the Russians gathered compromising information. We mentioned this at the top of the show. Gathered compromising information on 2,300 American officials. 2,300 you think Mike Pence is one of them? You think Reince Priebus? You think Wilbur Ross, the former chairman of the Bank of Cyprus, has compromise gathered on him? I think so. We're going to talk about that. Paul uh, Ryan. <laughs> going to talk about that story more right after these words. You can't always get a clean you can feel good about inside and out unless you're using Bubble Genius Bath and Body Products. See, Bubble Genius is a woman-owned small business proudly creating our vegan-friendly products in America and supporting other U.S. businesses by buying our ingredients and supplies from them as often as possible. Plus, you'll be hard-pressed to find packaging as recyclable as ours. Visit BubbleGenius.com and check out our cause-related items, too, like our global warming soap and a lot more. We donate our proceeds for those items to worthy causes, like organizations combating climate change and mountaintop removal mining. Good stuff like that. We also send our products to the troops overseas through our Buy a Soldier a Shower campaign. Because the least we can do is keep them smiling and smelling great, right? So visit BubbleGenius.com and feel good and clean. Bubble Genius, doing our part to make the world a better place, one bathtub at a time. That's BubbleGenius.com. Bob Seska! 
This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Welcome back to the show today. We talk about Snowden in a minute. This takes me. This song takes me right back to 2013. This is the song that Chez and I played all the time when talking about uh, Edward Snowden. This is the uh, the Moby song from the Jason Bourne movies. <laughs> I had this theory that Snowden fancied himself to be like the uh, the yeah. real life Jason Bourne. Uh, so we have this bombshell Politico article, and this does involve discussion of Edward Snowden. Uh, the, the Russians might have gathered compromise. And I say might have, because of course we don't know for sure, but they attempted to gather compromising information on 2,300 media and political officials inside the United States. This is from Politico in May and June of 2015. Uh, the chief cybersecurity officer, Trend Micro said the firm warned the FBI and the office of the D- director of national intelligence that Kremlin hackers had drawn up a list of 2,300 people compromising the most powerful leaders in Washington and New York, along with their spouses and lovers. Hmm. Interesting. To target with a concerted hacking campaign. Kellerman says he does not know whether the government acted on the tip, which warned that the hackers had the ability to turn on microphones and cameras on personal devices of their targets to obtain sensitive information about their personal lives. That's so fascinating to look at. First of all, the 2,300 people, powerful leaders in Washington and New York. Who could that be? What? <laughs> lots of cable news mm-hmm. located yeah. in Washington and New York. Obviously, lots of politicians. Lots of politicians with spouses and lovers. Uh, but you know what? Lots all they, of lovers. I mean, why would they need to gather a compromise on, on these people? I mean, most of the uh, Trump cabinet was seen... <laughs> In, in a compromising position yesterday, sucking off the president in front of video cameras in front of the entire press corps. But uh, prior to that, prior to that, I'm sure that the, the Russian hackers were gathering all kinds of salacious details about all of these people. And they were doing it with a system, with a technique. This is, uh, this is called an active measure uh, in which they are able to turn on microphones and cameras. Now, okay, I'm going to preface this by saying I'm merely speculating. (laughs) I don't know for a fact that Edward Snowden's stolen documents from the NSA have any relationship with the Trump-Russia story. You remember Edward Snowden. First of all, Edward Snowden worked at Booz Allen Hamilton in Hawaii. That's uh, the subcontractor of the NSA that, you know, does a lot of the NSA's work. It does a lot of the intelligence gathering, a lot of the operations there. And uh, Snowden was an NSA analyst. He absconded off with a bunch of thumb drives that have anywhere from 55,000 documents to millions of documents on them. We still don't know the full actual extent of the number of documents that Edward Snowden stole from the NSA. So Edward Snowden flees to drops gives all this stuff to uh, or tries to make contact with laura poitras then flees to hong kong where he meets up with uh edward snow he meets up with uh, uh glenn greenwald and uh and laura poitras and ewan mccaskill from the guardian i'm i'm reciting all of this off the top of my head as i recall from four years ago hmm. so bear with me hmm. so he's in hong kong which is part of china technically china so he's over in China and he's <laughs> we, we learned after he went to China that he met with Russian officials while in 
China. Edward Snowden spent three days at the Russian consulate in China, in Hong Kong. Hmm. Spent three days there, three days and nights as guests of the Russians at the Russian consulate in Hong Kong. You think that place is loaded with spies or just just regular know, Russian people just drinking vodka and maybe. doing that crazy Russian dance and wearing their silly hats? I think it's. I think. I think they were just. Hey, I have one of those silly hats. Innocent Russians wearing their squirrel hats. I just. I think they're so innocuous. I don't know why. I don't know why someone like Bob Seska would impugn Edward Snowden. <laughs> but nevertheless, so he's he's a guest. Edward Snowden is a guest of the Russians, and then in order to get to Moscow. He is, uh, he is escorted by WikiLeaks attorneys from the Russian consulate to, and this, he's transported from the Russian consulate to Moscow, where, where remember, he spent all that time first at the airport uh, in Moscow, and then Vladimir Putin gave him asylum. And so now Edward Snowden is the personal guest of Vladimir Putin living in Moscow, potentially with millions of NSA documents. Now, two of those, or, yeah, two of those documents detailed various operations that the NSA likes to use. One is called Gumfish, and the other is called Captivated Audience. Gumfish, Gumfish involves turning on people's cameras on their iPhones and on their laptops and things like that. The video camera, the still frame, the camera that you use to take selfies with. Mm-hmm. The, the NSA has figured out how to activate those cameras, uh, uh, you know, if, if owned by terrorist targets. Overseas, the NSA is all about foreign surveillance. It's not domestic surveillance. So uh, Russia has this capability to turn on cameras. They also have the capability to turn on microphones through this other program called Captivated Audience. It's a uh, it's a, a, a bug that they can insert into the uh, the device to, uh, and they can just trigger that bug, and then the uh, then the camera or the microphone turns on, and they can get all kinds of mm-hmm. salacious information using that stuff. This is the same technique that was used by the Russians. Now, it's entirely possible that the Russians developed this, this capability on their own. But we also know, through a story in the British Sunday Times back in 2015, which was followed up by an article by Bruce Schneer for Wired magazine, indicated that it's almost certain that both China and Russia were able to attain Snowden's cache of NSA secrets, including details about gumfish and captivated audience. Senior British officials told the Times that MI6, that's England's uh, CIA, had to pull agents out of live operations in hostile countries due to Russia having copies of the Snowden files. Now, you can also say, I'm, go- I'm, I'm just going to present both sides of this. You can also say that England was putting this out to start a disinformation campaign to impugn Edward Snowden in retaliation for Snowden leaking information about the British, too, because that's what he did. Mm-hmm. He leaked information. There was all kinds of information in that NSA uh, cache. And in, in every tranche that was released throughout the course of that reporting, we had uh, information about Australia released, all of the what they call the Five Eyes countries, which are all the countries that, including the United States, including Australia, including England, we all share intelligence back and forth freely. And all of those countries were included in these uh, in these document dumps. So, so it's it could be 
that they were putting out a cover story to make Edward Snowden look like even more of a villain. Uh, or it could be that they actually were able to figure out that Snowden documents were stolen uh, or by, by Russia. <laughs> they were re-stolen. <laughs> Snowden <laughs> stole them, and then Russia stole them from Snowden. And China stole them. China. And, you know, I mean, you have to ask yourself, sure, Edward Snowden's a smart guy, and he's probably got pretty good operational security. But is he smart enough to outsmart the entire Russian intelligence community? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I would tend not to think so. I mean, I'm not an IT guy. I, you know, I've encrypted a couple of files in my day, but I, I have no idea. I have no idea whether he could outsmart the entire intelligence community of both China and Russia. And we know that the Russian intelligence community, especially, is completely unhindered by things like civil liberties mm -hmm. and constitutions and privacy rights. They don't care. <laughs> they don't care about any of that stuff. So is there a link? I, I, think, I think there's a thin link. I think at the very least, Edward Snowden was able to provide Russia with information that helped in the endeavor of hacking the 2016 election. Yeah. I don't think he intentionally did it. I tend to lean toward the useful idiot scenario with Edward Snowden, where I don't think that his whole plant, though, I have heard reports from respectable intelligence community experts who believe Edward Snowden was also compromised, that he was compromised yeah. and that he was coerced into doing all of this stuff by Russia, who wanted to, I mean, it's basically like the, the impact of Edward Snowden's uh, revelations, as reported by Greenwald and Poitras and so on, uh, was very destabilizing inside the United States. You had people, you had Democrats questioning Obama. You had uh, everyone questioning uh, whether or not Obama was uh, abusing executive power, whether or not uh, the intelligence community of the United States was. I mean, what it did is it really made the intelligence community look like hell. Yeah. And so that was certainly good for the Russians, don't you think? <laughs> the American intelligence community with uh, shit all over its face? Sure. Sure, that's good for Putin. Yeah. So there's, there's that. We don't know. I mean, again, I want to completely underscore here that I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. I'm just putting it out there. All right. So meanwhile, uh, we learn, and this, is, this story kind of got buried uh, in and amongst all the rest of the stuff happening around Trump Russia. But uh, we have news about uh, uh, reality winner, this NSA leaker who gave us the information regarding, uh, it was actually reported in The Intercept last week about how Russian intelligence was able to infiltrate voter registration and the process that the NSA used in order to weed that out. So there's a story on ABC News, and it's uh, titled, What We Know About the Leaked NSA Report on Russia. And if you skim down to the subheading, How the Alleged Leak Started. I'm just going to read this because it's relatively short. On March 22nd, The Intercept hosted a podcast online looking at, among other things, the public outcry over Russia's alleged collusion with associates of President Donald Trump and the Kremlin's alleged interference in last year's presidential election. Guess where this is going? <laughs> Hang on to your hats, folks. Host Jeremy Scahill said, quote, there is a tremendous amount of hysterics and, quote, a lot of premature conclusions being drawn about all this Russia stuff. But, quote, there's not a lot of hard evidence backing it up. So wrong. So wrong. And these guys will never apologize. No, they won't. They'll never correct the record. They'll never say, you know what? We were wrong. No. We, we, we walked too slowly with this. Sorry. No. No, they never. Won't. 
Never. Appearing as a guest on the podcast, Intercept reporter Glenn Greenwald agreed, saying that while, quote, it's very possible Russia was behind election-related hacks last year, quote, we still haven't seen any evidence for it. You know, other than, you know, multiple newspapers and, and other media outlets of record with multiple sources, some of them as upwards of and 30 Trump sources. Trump lying about it. Trump aides lying about it. I mean, you know... At some point, if you're a journalist, you have to accept what the vast journalistic community is saying about a story. And the vast journalistic community is pointing to all kinds of smoke and fire in all of this. And as I said, what was that story from last week or the week before? They had something like 30 sources. Right. It was, yeah. a, it was a Muggsy story. Was I think a while ago. Robert Costa yeah. was one of the reporters on it, Muggsy. And they had something like 30 sources. Glenn Greenwald had one source, Edward Snowden, that put Glenn Greenwald on the map. No corroborating sources whatsoever, other than PowerPoint slides that could have easily been faked. We didn't know at the time. Plus, the reporting was really, really bad. I mean, all of my writing in 2013 was about, essentially, how the journalism about the Edward Snowden story was a disaster, including one guy, uh, Luke Harding from the, uh, the Guardian, claiming that he was typing his Snowden book. This is the book that was optioned by Oliver Snowden turned into the Snowden movie. Luke Harding said that while he was typing his book, the NSA was deleting it while he was typing it. So he would type words and then they would rapidly delete again. And he said that it was the NSA. That's one of many, many, many stories that was coming out of the time. It was insane. And these people have the nerve to yeah. say, look at all the tinfoil hat people. You guys reported that the NSA was deleting your books while you wrote them, for God's sake. And you made up some cockamamie story about how GCHQ goons came in to the uh, Guardian headquarters and bashed up a bunch of your computers with Snowden files, as if, that, as if you only had Snowden files on those computers and didn't transfer them to another computer. Right, and then they, and then they show uh, parts of a PC and all the pictures on Twitter and on, on their reporting about it. And, and they report that it's a MacBook that was destroyed, <laughs> even though all the parts were from a PC. This is the kind of shenanigans that were going on uh, four years ago. And they have the nerve to say, you guys need a lot of premature conclusions being drawn about all this Russia stuff. <laughs> so Glenn Greenwald said it was very possible Russia was behind election-related hacks last year, but we ha still haven't seen any evidence for it. Little more than a week later, Winner allegedly used a Gmail account to contact The Intercept while she, quote, appeared to request transcripts of a podcast, court documents said. More than a month later, the NSA secretly issued the classified document now at the center of the leak case. And within days, Winner allegedly found it, printed it out, and mailed it to The Intercept. The point I'm trying to make here is that it looks like Reality winner was goaded into leaking to the intercept by Glenn Greenwald and Jeremy Scahill taking a giant dump all over the Trump Russia story. That's just, again, I'm just speculating, but yeah. that's what this seems like. It seems like she was reacting to Jeremy Scahill and Glenn Greenwald saying, Oh, well, there's nothing to see here, no, nothing to look at. Better all uh, close your eyes and go, la, 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 la. No Trump Russia, no Trump Russia, la, la, la. I just don't understand it. I mean, I guess they have either, they either have something to gain or something to lose. Uh, meanwhile, and, and finally, before we, uh, before we officially wrap up here, uh, the Secret Service doesn't have any White House tapes or transcripts. None. Which, of course, makes sense because there are no tapes. Trump didn't tape anyone. Trump is lying about the tapes. 
Well, you know, uh, Lawrence O'Donnell had a guy on last night who was sued by Trump, and Trump pulled the same shit saying he had tapes, and then he admitted that he didn't in court. He's such a little child. It's like he watches four episodes of The Sopranos and thinks he knows everything about spycraft and and how to manipulate people. Yeah, you know what? He may know a thing or two when it comes to intimidating some poor schmuck subcontractor in the real estate world. (laughs) But we're talking about the American government, the United States government, the most powerful goddamn government in the history of human civilization. And he thinks he can outsmart this bureaucracy with his stupidity and his ridiculous little Machiavellian schemes. Probably sits up at night and says, I know, I know how to get him. I'm going to say there's a tape. And then he's going to think there's a tape and then he's going to change his story. Because he's going to think I'm going to release the tape and then he's going to get a lot in trouble. (laughs) Maybe he's a macho guy. (laughs) I just love that. Tony Atamadix, the president show is the funniest goddamn thing on television right now. God damn it! Uh, Nevertheless, so no tapes. No tapes. Don't wait for any tapes to come out. There won't be any tapes. But they're going to try to subpoena the tapes, and I'm wondering if they do subpoena the tapes, and he doesn't obviously produce tapes that don't exist. He's not going to be able to. He's either going to have to admit the tapes that don't exist, or he's going to have to be in contempt, whether by the grand jury, the the Mueller assembled uh, grand jury, or contempt of Congress. Although it doesn't seem like they really give a rip about uh, contempt of Congress inside the uh, Mm -hmm. Trump White House, because they're doing it left and right. Okay, the uh, post-mortem show is coming up next. Kimberly Johnson's going to join us again. Kimberly Beauregard Johnson. Who cusses too much. Who cusses too much. And I'm author Kimberly on Twitter, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. Send a shout-out and I'll follow you back. And your book is called? Peyton's Choice, and it's about a teen abortion. (laughs) Sounds fun. (laughs) Sounds like some light summertime reading. It's not really only about abortion. It's about teen romance, first love, first-time sex, all kinds of stuff. Beach reading. Take it to the beach. Lots of scenes take place at the beach, by the way, in the book. Also, uh, your podcast is Start Me Up. That's at patreon.com slash start me up. Yes, and I, and I interviewed Claude Taylor last week. Oh, yeah, week. Claude Taylor, right. If you want to listen to it, and he had a lot of interesting things to say. Major, major story. Okay. That is the show. We'll see you on the post show, folks. Uh, if not, we'll see you on Thursday. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.